I warned the adult ed class, the morning class, that they would be hearing part of what we did this morning again during the service, and here it comes. <laughs> um, we're watching a video series called Inner Worlds and Outer Worlds by Daniel Schmidt. And this is how the first of the series begins. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wildflower. Infin hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. In the beginning was the Logos, the Big Bang, the primordial own. Big Bang Theory says that the physical universe spiraled out of an unimaginably hot and dense single point called the singularity, billions of times smaller than the head of a pin. It does not say why or how. The more mysterious something is, the more we take for granted that we understand it. It was thought that eventually gravity would either slow the expansion or contract the universe in a big crunch. However, images from the Hubble teles Space Telescope show us that expansion is actually expanding faster and faster as it grows out of the Big Bang. Somehow, there is more mass in the universe than physics predicted. To account for the missing mass, physicists now say the universe consists of only 4% atomic matter, or what we consider normal matter. 23% of the universe is dark matter, and 73%, 73% is dark energy. What we previously thought of as empty space. It's like an invisible nervous system that runs throughout the universe, connecting all things. Ancient Vedic teachers taught not a Brahman, the universe's vibration. The vibratory field is at the root of all true spiritual experience and scientific investigation. It's the same field of energy that saints, Buddhas, yogis, mystics, priests, shamans, and seers have observed by looking within themselves. It's been called Akasha, the primordial own, Indra's net of jewels, and parenthetically, the Higgs field. Uh, the music of the spheres, and a thousand other names throughout history. It's the common root of all religions and the link between our inner worlds 
and our outer worlds. Mahayana Buddhism from the third century described cosmology not unlike the most advanced physics of modern day. Indra's net of jewels is a metaphor used to describe the much older Vedic teaching, which illustrates the fabric of the universe, uh, the way the fabric of the universe is woven together. Indra, the king of gods, gave birth to the sun and moves the winds and waters. Imagine a spider web that extends in all dimensions. The web is made up of dewdrops. Each drop contains the reflection of all the other water drops. Each drop and each reflected dewdrop inside that one, in each reflected dewdrop, you will find the reflections of all the other droplets. The entire web in that reflection, and so on into infinity. Ender's web could be described as a holographic universe where even the smallest stream of light contains the complete pattern of the whole. The Serbian-American scientist Nikolai Tesla is sometimes referred to as the man who invented the 20th century. He discovered alternating current and a number of other technologies that are a part of our everyday life. Because of his interest to understand, no, because of his interest in the ancient Vedic tradition, Tesla was in a unique position to understand science through both Eastern and Western models. Like all great scientists, Tesla looked deeply into the mysteries of the outer world, but he also looked deeply within himself. Like the ancient yogis, Tesla used the term akasha to describe the etheric field that extends throughout all things. Tesla studied with Swami Vivekananda, a yogi who brought ancient teachings of Indra to the West. In Vedic teachings, akasha is space itself, the space that the other elements fill, which exists simultaneously with vibration. The two are inseparable. So the way to rise above the suffering of the physical realm is to totally embrace it, recognize it within ourselves, say yes to it, so it becomes something within us rather than us being something 
I think the piece of the William Blake poem that they started the film with, that I began the service with, and, and did again in the meditation, really gets toward the idea of the multi-dimensional web of droplets. From another direction, rather than seeing the it takes us from our big view and tries to make us small instead of trying to take us from the small ones into the big ones. Um, I'm not that fond of the rest of that Blake poem. So I'm happy to use just the excerpt. But, uh, what have we trained ourselves to see? How much of that is cultural programming and how much of it has been intentional? There's a line, and I know I've mentioned it in a sermon before, uh, from a uh, Bruce Coburn song. A little round planet in a big universe, sometimes it looks blessed, sometimes it looks cursed. Depends on what you look at, obviously, but mostly it depends on the way you see. Uh, on public radio recently, I heard a story that was, talk that was reporting that heart disease now kills more people than tuberculosis, malaria, and AIDS all put together. Now, it occurs to me that that's likely a reflection in part of our preferred cultural insistence on dismissing messages that we get from interior. Um, information insights gained from our hearts uh, or deeper core, to some extent associated, if not literally, uh, with our hearts than metaphorically, certainly, and definitely organically connected to the kind of stress that we live in and with and carry. We dismiss them because at some level we think it may, be, uh, may become either sentimentality, but also somewhere we fear what we might hear there. Or maybe what we might not hear there. In the meantime, we gain what we believe to be power and a sense of control uh, by disregarding our hearts. And it, when I'm talking about heart here, I'm not talking about the the sentimentality, but there's a there's a, a combination of placement of thought that when it shifts from just being busyness in your head 
And there's a release that's a part of it. You can feel a physical dropping in to a place that feels closer in your physiology to here than here. And when you hit that place, there's a lot more peace. It's a palpable difference in location of where our thoughts are occurring in our field. Well, all of the things that we use as buffers by disregarding our hearts, our tendency towards compassion, and replacing it with measured distance, buffer disengagement, which given enough exercise stretches and can grow into some sort of othering of people. The things that we busy ourselves with are the things that help us have a harder time seeing ourselves and the people around us. Um, in, the, in the same video series from which the reading and reflection came this morning, um, and in another of the films, um, it raises the questions, what good is all this thinking if it doesn't lead to greater happiness. Are we happier? More joyful as the result of all of this thinking. They share that in 2010 at a taconomy conference in California, the CEO of Google mentioned an astounding statistic. In just two days now, we create as much information as we did from the dawn of civilization until 2003. Do you think you're ever going to catch up with all of that? <laughs> no matter how much you think. That's something like five exabytes of data every two days. Never in human history has there been more thinking on the planet. And never in human history has there been more turmoil on the planet. So we've become so enamored with our exterior world and disconnected from our hearts and our centers and our cores and our spirits that we fill our minds constantly with, stim with stimuli. It's hard not to, isn't it, sometimes? TVs, uh, streaming stuff, games, puzzles, texting, music, activity. We're addicted 
to our own ways of thinking at the same time. Whatever we do with all that information is run it through the same process or over and over again because we're addicted to the way that we think. Daniel Schmidt wrote, while Western culture in recent centuries has focused on exploring the physical by using thought and analysis, other ancient cultures have developed equally sophisticated technologies for exploring inner space. It's the loss of connection with our inner worlds that's created imbalance on our planet. The ancient tenet to know thyself has been replaced with a desire to know the outer world of form. And I'm sorry, but I do not believe that is where the real substantial answers to the problems of this world lie. We're... I, I have been saying this a lot lately. Uh, we're on the brink of what I truly believe to be great change. Vast change, maybe that's a better word. And if we will only do our part to break our convenient habits of thought, Our habits of action, of perpetual business and busyness, self-avoidance, don't want to deal with that, it hurts too much. Don't want to deal with that, I don't know the answer. Pacification, feeding those impulses for pleasure. Our outward focus and distractions, if we can change our habits, then we can become more effective participants and creators of paths to cross the wasteland that we are generating. We are actively participating in it. And it's our current mindsets that do that. If every drop contains all the other drops, the reflection of all the other drops, we can shift our focus from one of those reflections to another. We can redirect our thinking. We can redirect our, uh, our internal and from their outdoor energetic footprint. Like I was saying to the kids, if we fill our heads with fear, worry, anxiety, and negative negativity, we grow more wiring for that. If we fill our heads with beauty, with generosity and kindness and love and compassion and the intent to understand 
we accommodate those particular kinds of thoughts and feelings and strengthen our capacity to carry that into the world around us. You have the choice to direct your thoughts. And like I said to the class, worry will not help you be less worried. Entertaining all of your fears will not help you be less fearful. Identifying them might, but just swimming around and going, yep, that scares me, yep, that scares me. Or I am so worried about this, I don't know what to do. Take your focus off of that. Do something different. There's a great difference to be mad, made and our conventional ways of achieving it are no longer sufficient. The good news is all the things we need to find the solutions are waiting for us right here. If we would turn off the noise and again learn to listen and look deeper, even if it's generations after us, if what we're carrying to the next generation is a busyness that won't give them space, what are they going to hear? What are they going to understand what are they going to uh, listen for? What are they going to want? Are we moving our, our living more surface all the time? And is that where evolution is carrying us or is that where our fears are carrying us? Western culture has made us very well adept, indeed, at keeping our minds busy. In this season of our church year, dedicated to the study of various religions in the world, I challenge you to employ the wisdom we can garner from whether it's Native American cultures, Eastern cultures, whether it's Hindu or or ancient Egypt. In Hinduism and in Egyptian, ancient Egyptian understanding, they saw thought as just another sense, like seeing, hearing, tasting, touching. Thought is just a sense. And if we can level that back out, to appreciate the other sources of information, we can clear the receptors, I think. But if we so value that one, it's at the peril of all the others. 
and the ones that we aren't even really that aware of. In, the, in those traditions, there's a wealth of tools to employ that can help us listen to us or even learn not to listen, but hear. If we can redirect our energy and determined willfulness to become willing and allow and let ourselves find the infinite in every space we enter. Think about that. We bring ourselves to see the entire web of drops in each human and each circumstance that we encounter. If we can deeply invest in the growth that we commit to every Sunday, in our unison affirmation, growing into harmony with what's sacred, which is everything and everybody. Then we can come to hold and recognize infinity in the palm of our hand. 